Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I want to talk to you for a few moments um, on the subject of how to make better decisions. How many of you have made some that weren't too good? Me too. All right. Uh, I, I thought about, you know, this would be a great subject to, uh, to uh, speak on on a, on a Sunday evening. And I, I grabbed a legal pad. And, and before I knew it, I had written down 24 things. <laughs> and, and then I started to think about it. And it was just like that easy. It's, it, it, it's, just, it's just such a huge, huge subject. But Deuteronomy 30 in verse 19 says this. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. Therefore, choose. You got to make the right choices, right? Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, a lot of times we have the, the, the attitude that no matter what I do, the conclusion, the end result is going to be the same. But that is not the truth. The Bible says here that you can have blessing or cursing. You can have life or death. Your choices make a difference on where your life goes. And I love what God says. He says, look, we've got blessing. We've got cursing. We've got life. We have death. Kind of like a multiple choice. A, life. B, death. And then God says the answer is A. Pretty simple. He tells us what to choose. He says, therefore, choose life. Now, I'm going to be talking about some of the things that help us make the right choices. But I want to say right at the offset that these are not necessarily in order. In fact, they're definitely not in order. But, but the things that we talk about, about making right choices, they're kind of like buoys in a channel. Um, uh, we, uh, we have a pontoon boat and every summer we'll go to different places and throw the boat in and, and drive around. Particularly, uh, our kids live out in Grand Haven. So quite often we'll go to the Grand River. Right? And there'll be areas where they've got buoys. And, and uh, you just don't need one buoy. You need, when you t- to set up and go in the right direction, you need to line them up. Right? Not just one, but you need more than one. And the things that we're going to be talking about today, uh, they, they stand alone. But at the same time, it's when you have several of them lined up together that you're going to make the best choices. With that said, uh, the place I always want to start in in anything uh, that we're talking about in the kingdom of God is with the word of God. To make right choices, we need to understand the word of God because the Bible is the will of God. It's God's will for you. It's God's will for me. 2 Timothy 3.16, there's nothing like the written word of God to show you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God breathed and it is useful in one way or another, showing us the truth. Now we're living in a society today that does not even believe there is truth, but the Bible says there is truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we're put together and shaped up for the task that God has for us. So number one thing about making right choices, if we need to get full of God's word, 
Because God's word is God's will for our life. Now, it's in Deuteronomy 10, 13. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy is, is actually was written in one day. It's Moses. Just He says, today, today, today. He just keeps on talking today. It's actually written in a day, and it's kind of a review of what's happened since the children of Israel came out of Egypt. But he makes this statement. And keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Now, sometimes people think, well, God is just this ogre in heaven. He doesn't want me to enjoy anything. But the truth is, every single thing that God admonishes us to do in his word, it's not for God's good. It is for our good. God knows if you will live that way, that it, your life is going to be better. Your life is going to be fuller. You're going to fulfill your purpose. There's going to be peace, right? Uh, but somebody said, well, what if I don't feel like going that way? Then your feelings are messed up. It's just that simple. Now, in Psalms 119, 165, it says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When, when, when we're full of the word, we literally, we can just walk through life without getting offended. And one of the things that messes so many of us up is we get offended. In Psalms 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. Right? Now, notice that it says that it's, it, it's a, a, a lamp to our feet. You see, what most of us want to do is we don't want to walk a step at a time. Right? We want to jump. But the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Right? We, we want to know what's happening a mile down the road. Right? But what God is going to show us is he's going to show us the next step. Right? His words is going to be a light to our path. It's going to light up our steps. And she says, why does God do it that way? Because that way we keep plugged into him. And that way we live by faith. We're constantly relying on God. Right now, somebody said, well, I read the Bible and it just I just don't really understand it. Listen, the Bible, the, the truths in the Bible are not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. They're hidden for you. Right? But we've got to meditate on the word to receive that. Right? And uh, r really, the, 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 we use the word meditate, but we can really put in the word imagine. Right? Because what meditating is, is it's imagining ourselves in that situation and how the word of God applies to our situation. Right? In fact, in the Old Testament, the word imagine, it actually means conception. Right? Conception. In other words, we, we, we see the word of God and we imagine ourselves doing the word. We imagine ourselves, uh, let's say the Bible says lay hands on the sick. You imagine yourself laying hands on the sick. And, and, and literally, that, that is where the conception takes place. You, you see yourself doing the word of God. Right? Uh, Psalms 119, verse 128. Therefore, all your precepts I consider, excuse me. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. Now, for the word of God to really work in our lives, we have got to receive that word. And we've got to get full of the word. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've got a, a couple cans up here of, of LaCroix. 
Uh, I drank one a while ago, so I hope I don't burp during this, this session. All right. I mean, you know, that bubbly water can do that to you. All right. But uh, notice this, this can, LaCroix can, kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. I can just bend that thing. Now, why can I do that? I've got another one right here. Not getting anywhere. The difference between the two is one's full, one's empty. When you are full of the word of God, the pressures of this life will not collapse you. But when you don't have the word on the inside, the pressure that would not collapse you if you were full of the word will collapse you. So we've got to receive that word. So David said, I consider your precepts, your word about everything to be right. When God talks about marriage, he's right. When God talks about forgiveness, he's right. When God talks about how to raise your kids, he's right. When God talks about money, he's right. And we've just got to receive that word so that we can make the right decisions. Because so often what your, you will, you will, your flesh will want to do will be the opposite of what the word of God says. And what culture tells us to do is going to be the opposite of what the word of God says. Um, if, you're, if you're going to take a trip, but particularly before we had Google Maps and everything else that we've got today and our, uh, you, know, you just punch in where you want to go on your, your, on your, your little computer and boom, you know, it shows you a map, uh, the, how to get there. Uh, before we had all that, if you're going to take a trip, the best thing you could do was look at the map before you left. Figure out where you're going to go, see where it's going to be. And literally, God's word is like that map. It shows us the pitfalls we're going to be facing. It shows us how to make the right decisions. Right? In fact, when you're full of the word, Isaiah 30, verse 21 is just so true. It says, you will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Wherever you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. In other words, it's saying when the word's inside you and you start to go off, it says you'll hear something. Something on the inside of you will go, this is not the right way. It will say, you're telling me, this is the way. Walk this way. Go this way. And when we're full of the word, that's what happens. Uh, second thought here about making better choices. Listen to wise and learned people. Listen to wise and learned people. Now, we're going to talk about this, this in different aspects as we go through this. But I think it's really interesting. The wisest person who ever lived apart from Jesus was Solomon. And there's nobody that talks more about getting counsel from wise people than Solomon. He was the wisest, but yet he constantly was seeking counsel. He's saying, you know, if you've got the right counsel, just get counsel because then your plans are going to succeed. In Proverbs 6, verse 23, it says the commandment is a lamp. And the law of light and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The reproofs of instruction. To make right choices, we have got to be able to receive correction, to receive instruction from other people. Right? Now, there are people that are just critics. I mean, they feel like, like their, their gift from heaven is to criticize. Right? That's not what we're talking about. Notice it says the reproofs of instruction. The reproofs of instruction come from somebody that loves you. They come from somebody that cares about you, somebody who wants to help you, right? 
Um, I've, I've, I've had on several occasions, somebody come up to me and, and, and basically say, that was the worst sermon I ever heard. You know, that's, there's really not a lot of help in that. You know, you're, you're, you're a terrible pastor. You're a terrible preacher. There's no, there's no help in that. Right? But if somebody comes up and says, look, this is what you did. But if you had done this instead, it would have been received by so many more people. So many more people would have understood. See, that person is giving me the reproof of instruction. Right? They're saying, this is what you did, but here's how you could do it better. Right? And, and for us to make better decisions, we need to be able to receive from people that want to help us, that love us, that care about us. Because here's the truth. Uh, all of us are blind. There are certain areas where we're blind. Right? Uh, and, and the truth is, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't see what you don't see. And there's areas in my life I'm blind. I don't, I don't see it. And somebody will come up to me and say something. I'll go, wow, I never thought of, how many of you, I never thought of that. I never, th- I never perceived anything l- like that. He's like, you're blind in areas and I'm blind in areas, right? But somebody can come up and give me that reproof of instruction and say, look, you did this, but if you did it like this, it would be better. You know, and the truth is sometimes we're just so close to the forest that we don't see the trees. Right? And again, it's going to be people that, that, that love you, not, not people that are just trying to put you in your place. Um, when Jeannie and I first came back from Mexico, my grandparents were Christian reform. In fact, they would say Christian reform born, Christian reform bred, Christian reform living, Christian reform dead. I mean, they were just like Christian reform. All right. But when we began to pastor this church, they would come on Sunday morning on one of the services. And after service, you can ask Jeannie, Grandpa would take me aside and he said, now, you said this, you said, okay, 62 times. And you did this and you did that. And do you know what? I loved it. I loved it. And I thought, man, it's helpful because when I'm speaking, I don't realize I do that, but he cared. Solomon, again, the wisest person that ever lived is the person who taught the most about seeking good counsel. Uh, and find people that are qualified. They're qualified because of their experience. They're qualified because of their success. They're qualified because they love you. I, I would say this. If you're having difficulty with a marriage, don't get advice from somebody who's been divorced six times. Right? Find somebody who's qualified. And, and different people are going to be qualified to speak in different areas of your life. Somebody might be able to speak into your life about your marriage. Somebody else about raising your children. Somebody else about finances. Somebody else about handling your temper. It doesn't always have to be the same person. But it is going to have to be somebody who has success in the area and somebody that loves you. Somebody that cares about you. And, And number three, this may sound like number two, but it's different. Okay, Ask questions of the wise and the successful. Ask questions. Here's the the truth. Those that know will not tell you. Okay. Those that know will not tell you. Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Counsel, listen again, in the heart of a man is like deep water. But a man of understanding 
will draw it out. Now, here's why the person who knows won't tell you. It's not that they don't want to help you. It's that unsolicited advice is almost never listened to or appreciated. Unsolicited advice is almost never appreciated and almost never listened to. But when somebody knows and you show interest and you say, how should I do this? How should I do that? What, have, what, what, was your, what, what was your experience doing this? And what did you learn doing that? They love to tell you. Right? But you've got to ask the question. You've got to have the interest. Right? It, it, and by the way, there are no dumb questions. There's just no dumb questions. According to, the, to, to research, children ask about 125 probing questions per day. Adults, on the other hand only ask six probing questions a day. That means someplace between childhood and adulthood, we lose 119 questions a day. All right? And what we do is we start making assumptions. We just make an assumption. Now, there's certain things you're going to learn, but a lot of it is we make assumptions. And the other thing is we're afraid to look like we're ignorant. We're afraid to look like we don't know. Right? But you don't learn if you don't ask a question. Several years ago, I had my, my oldest son, Joshua, and uh, myself, we, we went out to lunch. It was a pastor that had asked us to have lunch. And so I said, absolutely, we'll, we'll meet. I'm going to bring my son, Joshua, along. And uh, this pastor had been pastoring a church, about 150 people. And it had been 150 people for 10 years. Right? And so we go and we have lunch. And we sit there. And, and I, I'm serious. We sat down. He started to talk. And he talked. And he talked. And he talked. And he talked. I tried to I tried to interject something about three or four times and I just gave up and we got done. And uh, Joshua said, he said, uh, well, why didn't why didn't you tell him this? And why didn't you tell him that? Why didn't you tell him the next thing? I said, because he wasn't interested. He wasn't interested. There wasn't that hunger there. Right. Um, Somebody, there's a proverb, it's a Chinese proverb, it says this, to know the road ahead, ask those that are coming back. <laughs> ask those that have been there, right? And uh, that's how you find out. Uh, even today, uh, I've got people in my life that I'll ask questions. You know, Rick Renner is the uh, uh, apostolic oversight of our church. And, and my, I'm, on, I'm, I'm texting him and asking him questions. We, we want to know how to do something different. We're going to ask Right. So find people that are qualified and ask questions. Right. Uh, number four is follow peace. It's just follow peace. You will make better decisions if you don't just look at how things appear to be, but you listen on the inside to your heart. Right. Colossians 3.15 let the peace, the soul harmony, which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. So it says that the peace of God is to be the umpire in your heart. So if you're thinking about doing something right, and you've got peace, God is saying safe. Go ahead. You're safe. He said, but if you don't have peace, he says, you do it. You are going to be out of the will of God. God's peace is to be our umpire. 
You see, the devil can counterfeit a lot of things, but one thing he could never counterfeit is the peace of God. The Bible says that peace, it passes all understanding. A couple different translations. The the, uh, Weymouth translation says it this way. Let the peace which Christ gives settle all questions in your heart. The peace that Christ gives. Again, it's to be the umpire. When we've got peace, we're going to be safe. Uh, Moffat's translation, let the peace of Christ be supreme within your heart. The devil, he can do a lot of things in the natural realm, but he can never counterfeit that peace of God. Now, the peace of God, it only works when we're seeking first the kingdom of God. You know, if Jesus in in Mark 11, he talked about the things that cause the, the word of God to not be fruitful in our lives. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things says it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. When other things are are, our premier focus, when we're pursuing other things instead of that, the, 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 the kingdom of God, then the peace of God, it just gets smothered. Right? The spirit of God gets smothered. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, in verse 27, it says that you have an anointing from the Holy One. And as that anointing teaches you concerning all things, you're to abide in him. Right? That's the Holy Spirit in his peace. Right? Now, as long as we are seeking first the kingdom of God and we're in touch with that peace, that peace of God, that peace can be our umpire. Um, not uh, all that long ago, uh, Jeannie and I were, were meeting with someone, in, uh, a Christian, who was uh, living, not, not married, but uh, having sex with somebody. And uh, so I, I, I got the Bible and I said, now, here's the, uh, the scripture. It says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. And she said, what, what, what scripture is that? So wrote that scripture down. And she said, well, I'll pray about that. But I have peace. Listen, you don't pray about the Bible. You obey the Bible. Right? And, and if you have peace and you're living in a way that is not pleasing to God, it's not the peace of God that you've got. But there is compromise in your life. And you've gotten to the point where the Bible puts it this way. It it says that your conscience is seared. Your conscience just isn't working right. right? So so we've got to accept that word of God. And if if we're letting other things become the premier pursuit in our life, then we're going to think we've got peace. But the truth is, it's not the peace of God. Well, uh, honey, I want you to come on up and... uh, Talk to us. Uh, this is going to be number we're, 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 number five. This is, this is Jeannie's. Listen to your spouse. You want to make better decisions? Listen to your spouse. And uh, I asked Jeannie to come up and uh, talk about that for a moment. Okay, I think I, this is really interesting that he, he gives that point about unsolicited advice is almost never received. <laughs> And then he asked me to come up and, and talk about, about wives 
and the, the um, advice that wives, uh, the counsel that wives have. But I don't know very many husbands that actually literally ask for advice from their <laughs> wife. So what are we supposed to do anyway? That's probably in another sermon. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I thought, what other kind of advice does a wife have except for the kind that's not asked for? Uh-huh. Like, this is a puzzle. Okay. Um, well, I, I do want to... Here's some revelation from um, Genesis 2, which um, after I got married, I desperately needed some revelation to understand what... <laughs> What God had in mind when he put uh, two opposites together, a man and a woman. Well, before marriage, opposites attract. And after marriage, opposites attack. So it's just kind of... Well, <laughs> You appreciate it beforehand so much. And then afterwards, you're like, yeah, but that's not like I would do it. Yeah, you know, but the bicycle needs two tires. It's nice it has two tires. Yeah, the one just, ha- they have to stay in you their know, place, yeah. right? The, the, the Bible, okay. it's Genesis 2. It says that God caused Adam to fall asleep. And, and most of our Bibles will say that God took one of his ribs. I was listening to a Hebrew scholar, and he, act, he said a better translation is one of his sides. One of his sides. No. Okay. So, so, so it's, it's like... Men, men see and think one way because we're that side, but women see and think a different way. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's getting late Go. in the day. Um, okay, I got to see this. All right, it says in here that um, in chapter 2, verse 18 of Genesis, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Well, and that word there means one part only, like a branch, like a trunk. And it's just, I, I love that um, picture that is planted there that God looked and says, you know, it's just not good for man to be just one part. It's like if I was just one stick, it would be hard to move. I'd have to probably find a new way. But the fact that I have two legs, you know, I have all these different parts and I have arms. I can do a lot more because um, I'm able to do more. And God looked and said, you know what? We can do better. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he said, I will make him a helper comparable or a help meet to him. And so to try to understand this, I looked these words up in the concordance in the um, Hebrew uh, dictionary and it the help the word help there is the same word that is used for describing that God is our help the help and it comes from the word that means to aid to surround protect and help and um, it was very encouraging to know that that's the same word it's like wow that's a part of the image of God that's stamped on on us women to be a helper. And then I thought, well, that's good. I like doing that. I like helping him. That's great. And then it says help meet or comparable to him. And that word meet means the part opposite, the other side, sight or counterpart. And that word comes from this word, which means to stand boldly out opposite, to announce always by word of mouth to one present. <laughs> 
to expose, predict, explain, expound fully, messenger, plainly, profess, tell, utter, speak, rehearse, report, and show forth. I am not kidding. That's that what it said. Again. That's what it says <laughs> about the help that we are to surround and protect him. And stand boldly opposite and speak. And to speak and explain <laughs> and explain and explain and, and explain. <laughs> I don't know how many times we're supposed to explain, but it does say explain. And it says to expound fully. So if he says, you, you've already said that. I says, but not fully. <laughs> I'm not done yet. And it says to plainly profess and tell and utter and speak and rehearse. And report and show forth. And all I could do was laugh. And I said, Dwayne, you will not believe what I discovered in the word of God. Um, what this, this uh, says. But in seeing how we were made in the image of God. And I got to picturing how there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you going to No, no. I was just going to look at that again. <laughs> he doesn't believe it. I do. It's the word. Yeah. The part opposite. The other side. Uh-huh. The counterpart. Well, the good thing is... To announce always by word of mouth. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's true. Absolutely. Yep. And to present. I think I, think I could use a pencil, and too. And and explain and expound fully as a um, messenger. Yeah, this is a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of descriptive things. That's a lot of advice. I, I absolutely love it. But um, we, when you read about the Holy Spirit... You find out that the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the helper, the teacher. And it says he reminds, the comforter reminds, and he reminds. That's what the comforter does. The Holy Spirit reminds. And, and God did not call the Holy Spirit nagging. He called it reminding. Okay, just, just saying. Um, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He's the comforter, the advocate, the, the counselor. And, and um, you know, just that picture of the Holy Spirit made me realize that we women, just like you men, you know, you, you're, you've got your calling and you're equipped to, to lead and to protect and to just well, all their list. But we're talking about our list right now. And in our list... Um, we can't do this without the Holy Spirit because when we do it in our own flesh, oh my goodness, we do not get a good reaction (laughs) and we do not get, we do not bear good fruit. The flesh never bears good fruit. The flesh produces death, uh, which divorces happen. That's death. Um, the, the, the very desire to Help and to comfort becomes manipulating and nagging and, and just awful things that can, you know, we can just really mess, mess things up. And, and so I was like, okay, God, I need the Holy Spirit. I need, I need wisdom. I need to listen. I need to hear. We need to stay sensitive. And, and if you notice in Proverbs seventeen twenty seven, he says, he who has knowledge spares his words. Oh, Dwayne's going to write that on my mirror. <laughs> and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. And then this is a good one. Same chapter 17 in Proverbs, verse 28 says, Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. And when he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. So, 
in that taking all of the, you know, we can't jump and grab one piece of scripture and say, oh, yeah, you know, I, it's my job to tell my husband what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And no, um, we're, to, we're to have, God gave us ears. If we were supposed to just speak to him and didn't need to listen, God wouldn't have given women ears. He'd have just said, they don't need those. <laughs> And, you know, just left them off so that our hair would have not always got caught in it. And then we wouldn't have anything to put our mask on and we'd be really in trouble. <laughs> so, but, but um, we have to take the whole counsel of the word and, and, the, and the wisdom of, of speaking and being a listener. And, and it, um, you know, I do have uh, some example. I remember one time that we were building a house. And if you've ever built a house and had to make any of those decisions together, spouses, there's couples that have actually gotten divorced after they built a house because it just, it just set them against each other and, and, and they could not, uh, they didn't know how to give and receive advice and correction and, and, and they broke up over it. Well, anyway, we're building this house, and we had a few different opinions about things. And I remember the one was, uh, remember the stove in the basement? Um, oh, yeah. The fireplace. He wanted a fireplace in the basement. And, and I just was thinking kind of logically, you know, like how fireplaces suck the heat out. And, and that eventually we probably would, that's really cool, but we probably want... We probably want like an insert, or something that would blow, at least a blower, you know, something that's more like energy efficient. And, uh, you know, I tried to paint the right picture. Sometimes you can give your advice and, and he just like, no, I want the other. And I thought, okay. And then um, about two years after we lived in the house, he says, man, we need an insert in that, that <laughs> chimney. And I did. I did. It was so hard not to say, I told you so. I told you so. But so now it's like 20 years later. I told you so. Oh, you were right. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes you, you, your, your advice is taken and you, you get it. And sometimes it, it doesn't. Sometimes you have a good idea and it's right. And sometimes you're like, whoo, I'm so glad he didn't listen to me. <laughs> um, you know, because he did know better. And um, I think this is part of the wonderful adventure of marriage is that God does use both of you to um, make it happen. And um, it doesn't take just not all one or not just all the other, but it's, it's together. I will say this. What? We have definitely made better decisions when both of us make the decision. Oh, that's true. Much yeah. better decisions. And it's easier kissing when it's the two of you and not just one. Oh, I okay. love it. I have to do that. Well, I love that, it. With that, let's have an altar call. Just for... <laughs> All right, would you bow your heads for just a moment? Uh, again, when there's a group of people together, there's always some of us that we've lived for God for decades and others that something happened and you've drifted away from the Lord and you need to get back to God. And there's others that you really don't know where you stand with God. You're saying, oh, I'm trying to be a Christian. If I died, I hope I'd go to heaven. But it says this in 1 John. It says, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. See, John is saying, you shouldn't be waiting until you die to find out. You shouldn't be hoping. You should know that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, and you're on your way to heaven. And, and if you don't know that, you're not where you should be with God. So I'm going to ask everyone, please, just take one hand, place it over your heart. 
lift your other hand towards heaven. Online, please put one hand over your heart if you can. Lift your other hand towards heaven. And let's pray this prayer out loud. Just repeat this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I believe Jesus is victorious over death, over sin, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. And my past is gone. And that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.